those of you who have joined us online, hey, my name is Rick. Um, if you are newer here, I would love, if you're in here in the Cranston location, I'd love to be able to connect with you. After the service, I'm going to be outside under that portico, and if we haven't met, meet me there and uh, let me know your name. Hey, uh, we are in the, uh, this brand new series. I'm so excited to be teaching through this series. Um, it's uh, WWJD. Uh, what would Jesus do? I know some of you are thinking, what would Justin Dwight do? I know that you were thinking that, right? No. It's what would Jesus do, but Justin would do what Jesus would do, so hey, it's the same thing, right? So, um, but in this series, what we're doing, and we explained this last week, that we're covering the Gospel of John, we're going through the Gospel of John, and we're going to be in uh, the Gospel of John all the way until Christmas time, and here's the reason why. Because Jesus, uh, John was an eyewitness of Jesus, and he wrote this so that we would know how to live our life like Jesus because he told us, remember last week we saw this, last week we saw that he wrote this whole, uh, what he calls a gospel, the good news, according to John, about the person of Jesus. He wrote this because he wants us to believe like he believed and he wants us to live his life like he did and he was living his life like Jesus would live his life. So um, we have the WWJD bracelets to remind us of of this. Hold them up. Are they on your wrist? If they're on your wrist, hold them up. Oh, that's, oh, come on. We got to do better than this next week, okay? South County, help us out. I hope your percentage was better down there, all right? So here's the deal. We did run out last week, so let's pretend that's why you're not wearing yours, all right? We're going to pretend, and we have more in the back. So if you did not get yours last week, um, I'm asking you to do this, and let's create a habit until Christmas time. Only until Christmas time, all right? On Christmas Eve, you don't have to wear it, okay? Because I know it won't go with your outfit. But... If you'll just wear it from now until then, why? To get us in that habit that wherever we show up, whether it's work, whether it's in our home, we're saying, would Jesus actually respond to my spouse in this way? Right. We're reminding ourselves, what would Jesus do? What would how would Jesus respond to that coworker? How would Jesus respond to that student that everyone is making fun of or bullying? How would Jesus respond to that? We want to ask ourselves, get into the habit of asking the discipline of asking ourselves that question question why so that we can live more like Jesus so that we we can respond more like Jesus would we also have a reading plan a reading plan that take you it will take you through the gospel why because Christ followers read the Bible on their own not just on church on Sundays it means that you actually Christ followers this is what they do this is what Jesus did we have a Facebook group he wasn't on Facebook Jesus wasn't right okay that they didn't have it back then, but we have a Facebook group where you can talk about that reading plan, where you can throw out your ideas, what you're learning, what you're, uh, how, what, uh, you know, Jesus is showing you about your life. This is a great way to interact with each other online. Just find us on Facebook, ask to join the group and they'll let you in. It's, it's open to everybody. Lastly, we have our memory verses. Right? I, I know you don't like memory verses, but we have to. This is what Christ followers do. They memorize scripture. Jesus memorized scripture. You're just like, hold it. What? It wasn't written until after. Exactly. He was memorizing the Torah. He was re- uh, memorizing the Old Testament. He was memorizing the prophets. And he would often quote that from memory. So we want to be like Jesus 
and you didn't have a you didn't have a scripture memory plan. Well, now you do. And we have more of these. If you didn't pick yours up last week, pick it up on your way out. And our memory verse for this week was John chapter one, verses one and two. And we have teachers in here and they're going to grade us right now on if we can memorize this. OK, so all of our teachers, are you ready? Um, we're going to say this together. I'm going to count to three and we are going to quote from memory. John one, one and two. No peeking in the beginning was the word. Oh, I didn't say one, two, three. Did I? OK, here we go. One, two, three. In the beginning was the word. And the word was and the and he you guys are awesome that's amazing see you can do this that's two verses you memorize two verses that's amazing so next week here you're, you have your choice now on the, on the plan there's two verses if you can do two man your teacher that's sitting near you is going to give you a hundred percent if you can just do one, they're still going to give you 100%. So this is a win-win for you. If you can only memorize verse 12 or verse 14, it doesn't matter. But memorize it. Take the time to work through this. Put this in your car when you're driving. Or, or better yet, um, uh, one of our elders, Bob, he shared with me this app. It's called VerseLock. Uh, go to your app store. Find VerseLock. It's free. You can play it in your car. It will repeat the verse to you over and over and over again. Talk to Bob. He'll tell you all about it. We're jumping into the Gospel of John. John chapter chapter 1 we're going to start with verse number 9 and then we're going to make our way to verse 18 although we won't hit every verse in between but the big idea is the same as last week your decision about who Jesus is makes all the difference in your relationship with God the same idea that we had last last week the big idea is the same one this week because we're still wrestling with this question who is this Jesus we are doing what they would call in theology uh, a study of Jesus Christ or Christology. We're learning. We've got to have this kind of foundation. We're building that spider web of our faith that's anchored like we talked about last week. So, verse number nine. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So, John is telling us about the true light. Has your wife ever done this to you? She'll say, hey Rick, for your own good, we've we got to start eating fat-free around here. Right? So she bought fat-free fat uh, sour cream. And she, you know, because she loves me, she cares about me. Look at me, right? And so she, she wants to help me. So we ate once with fat-free sour cream. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, I can't even get it down. It does not taste good on your baked potato with the cheese and the salt and the pepper and the, this butter pouring off of it. Fat-free. Just forget it, man. Just give me the real stuff, right? They, the, in the fat-free, they take out all the deliciousness. I don't know what it is, but it's deliciousness that's in there. So you know what she does? She's like, you can't tell the difference. And so she thought I couldn't tell the difference. So what she did was she took the regular sour cream and she filled it, emptied it, poured it full of the fat-free stuff. It did not take it any longer to leave my spoon as I put it on there. I'm like, this is not the deliciousness, the stuff that has all the fat in it. I can tell. And she's, and she's just like looking at, what are you talking about? It says it's, it's the regular one. I'm like, no, I can just look at it. I don't even have to taste it. Right. And then I tasted it and it just confirmed 
Well, what John is doing, why he says true light is because there were other people saying, hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that the prophets had declared would come. And this was a normal thing at the time of Jesus. And people were saying that they were the Messiah. But here you have John saying, no, the real one, the genuine one. This is like none, like none other. No, this is really the real thing. It has all the deliciousness in it. This is the Messiah. He is Jesus, the light that gives light to everyone. And he reminds us that he was in the world. What we talked about last week, that he was in the world, but he puts a different spin. He lets us know the world was created through him. We learned about that last week. And then yet the world did not recognize him. Can you imagine? I mean, you know how, you know, tripped out our cars are now with all their computer systems in it. Right. What if you sat in your Tesla? Right. And you and you're sitting in your Tesla and all of a sudden the computer starts talking to you and it says to you. You're not my owner. Dude, I mortgaged my house so I could afford you, right? You know, uh, you're, you're like, what do you mean? I'm making the payments. I'm working overtime. What do you mean? I paid for you. This is what John is saying about the creator of the world. And the world didn't recognize him. They didn't realize, oh my gosh, no, he really is the creator of everything. He came. He takes it a step further. He came to his own. The Jewish people. Remember the Abrahamic covenant in the Old Testament where God would come to the Abraham, uh, to the people of Abraham, to those Hebrew people and make this covenant with them. This is his own people. Jesus shows up to his own people and his own people did not receive him. Have you ever felt rejected? Often you'll hear us talk about that we have a God who knows how you feel. How can we say that? Because Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He knows what it feels like to have people turn their backs on We have a God who knows what you feel. But then John would tell us this. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name. I love the invitation to all. It's not just the Jewish people. It's not just the Gentile people. Gentile people or anybody who's not Jewish. So this includes everybody in the whole wide world. right? So it's open to all, to anyone... So to all who did receive him, what does receive him mean? Uh, to, uh, uh, To receive him means this, those who believe in his name, those who believe in who Jesus says he is. Do you believe, have you received him? Because at that moment, I love the relational word that John uses here. The relational word that he uses here is children. See, what God's heart is, is to move you from the position of creation to child, to become his children. That's his heart for all, for all who will receive the person of Jesus, for all who will trust Jesus. Then he calls you, he gives you the right to become adopted children of God. Have you made that decision? Have you 
believed, have you moved from the position of creation, of being God's creation, to being His child? Then we come and we slide down to verse 14. The Word became flesh. Now here in theology, we have the incarnation of Jesus. This is what we would call this, the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, That just simply means that Jesus is God in the flesh. And what John wants us to understand is that he he goes back to the very beginning of the chapter and uses how he personified Jesus with the word, word. And he says, the word became flesh. He's talking about the Christmas story. That point in history when Jesus would actually, when God would actually show up in flesh and blood. There in Bethlehem. He's letting us know that Jesus had already existed. He's letting us know that God became flesh like you and I. And then he tells us this. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, this idea of dwell among us and the layering of the languages that are going on here, we could say a tent or tabernacle would be the same. Um, We could translate it like this. We could say that he pitched his tent or that Jesus pitched his tent among us or that God pitched his tent among us to dwell uh, with us. Or we could say that he tabernacled because um, you could translate that word in the same way. That he tabernacled with us. Why? Because this is the story that we find in the garden. And it's woven all the way through the scripture that God has always wanted to be with his people. He wants a relationship with us. This is a major, this idea of dwelling among us is a major part of the story of Israel. When they were saved from slavery, when God reached into Egypt and delivered them from slavery, they were slaves for 400 years. And God was with them trying to get the slavery out of them because one generation after the next generation and the next generation, slavery was ingrained in them. And he's like, no, you're my people and I'm going to come and dwell among you. And we know that because if we go all the way back to Exodus... God tells Moses, he says, no, they're going to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. Everyone in the Jewish audience that's hearing dwell among us, that the word became flesh and dwell among us, they're thinking, oh my gosh, this connects to my story. And when God was trying to get slavery out of me, this is a connection point. And it's a connection point to us, for us, because God is trying to get that out of us. He wants to dwell among us. He wants to be with us. Be, um, he gives at one point, at one point, uh, God actually gives Moses very specific instructions about that sanctuary or tabernacle or tent. It's just a port, it's portable for the people of Israel at the time of Moses. And gives them very specific of how you make it. And how you build this thing. And I'm going to be there. And I'm going to show up with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. There's going to be a Shekinah glory. We'll talk about that in a second. But 
before Moses even got these instructions, or before he actually built this, do you know what? God was already wanting to meet with the people of God. In Exodus 33, it says, and now Moses, so this is before they actually built the tabernacle, um, or that, that portable uh, temple, if you will. Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp. This is like a million plus people. Um, he pitched it outside the camp, at a distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And anyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. And there they would tell Moses they, what was weighing on them. They would share with Moses. Moses would go inside the tent of meeting and a cloud, a manifestation of God's presence would show up there as Moses would meet with God. And there was like this awe effect that would happen uh, to these people. But this, when, when those in the Jewish audience who are reading or hearing John's gospel about Jesus, who is the word that dwelt among us, this is where they're going. But now, it's different for us. We don't see God show up in a cloud that forms over us when we gather in the temple. Why? Because it all changed after the resurrection. It all, oh, I should say more correctly, would be it all changed after the ascension. Because it was at the resurrection, or at the time of the death on the cross, in that tabernacle, the, there was a, uh, inside was a place called the Holy of Holies, and there was this thick veil, this thick curtain, if you will, that was ripped from top to bottom at the time of Jesus' death. Why? Making a way possible for us to connect with God. Jesus did this for you and I. And then, on the day, when, uh, on the day when uh, Jesus had told the disciples this ahead of time, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to you. And he's going to come and he's going to abide with you. He's going to come and live inside of you. Well, the Apostle Paul said it this way. The Apostle Paul uh, tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, Don't you uh, yourselves know that you are God's temple? And that the, Holy, uh, or that the Spirit of God lives in you. You are now the place that God dwells and the place where he wants to manifest himself. The place where he wants to make himself known inside of you. We don't have the temple with the cloud and the fire anymore, but we do have a temple, a body. And through the spirit, through the Holy Spirit of God, he comes to live inside of you. Now, look back at that verse 14. It says, we observed his glory. John says, we have observed the glory now, this idea of we have observed the glory, if you were in the Old Testament, observing that glory would have been God manifesting himself in that cloud, whether it was day or night. That was the way that God was showing his presence there. Uh, we know that again from the scripture. Uh, uh, the cloud covered the tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Um, and verse, slide down to verse number 38 of Exodus 40. For the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and there was fire inside the cloud by night, visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages of their journey. So it was a very visible thing that used to happen. 
And when John says we observed his glory, what John is saying is that we saw the glory of God in the person of Jesus as he manifested who God was. When he spoke, when he taught, when he healed, the way that he lived his life, this was how John observed the glory of God. But some in that same crowd who observed the same thing did not see it as the presence of God or a manifestation of God or the uh, glory of God. They would explain it away. They would see the same thing that John saw. The same thing that some others who saw. And believed, oh my gosh, that's the glory of God. There He is. There's the Messiah. There He is. Did you hear what He said? Did you hear how He taught? Oh my gosh. And then others would say, yeah. He's, he's just a good prophet or something. That's what some people said. They didn't see it as the glory of God. They said, oh, he's just, you know, this really great teacher. Some people would look at it. In fact, very specifically, the religious people would look at it and say, oh, he's got a devil in him. He's, he's, he's filled and demon possessed. What's the difference? How did John see the glory of God and the others or and others didn't see the glory of God? The difference is eyes of faith. The difference are ears of faith. Do you have eyes of faith? Do you have ears of faith? Here's what A.W. Tozer in um, his book, The Pursuit of God, says about this presence. He says the presence, talking about the presence of God, the presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same thing. Why? Because we know that God is omnipresent, that he truly is everywhere and he can be everywhere at the same time. This is a characteristic of God. But the manifestation of his presence means that he has allowed you to see, to have eyes of faith, to see the manifestation. He says you can, there, um, there can be the one without the other. There can be the very fact that God's presence is here. Why? Because you are a living temple that God lives in through the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. So we know He's here. The question is, do you have eyes to see Him? Here's, here's what Eugene Peterson said in his book, The Pastor. I know that most of you didn't read this book because most of you aren't pastors, right? But it was a memoir of, of what, in, in Eugene Peterson's, if you want to, want to like a peek inside the life of a pastor, it's, just, it's a great book. I read this a few years ago. But he's in this conversation with this rabbi in Baltimore, and he's reflecting on when he went to go plant a church, his kids were all really young. And in this conversation, this rabbi starts talking to him about the Shekinah. The Shekinah glory. You know what Shekinah? You know Shekinah means dwell. It's like dwelling among us. The Shekinah glory. Um, well, first, uh, bringing in an awareness of God to a time and place where God is not expected to be. A place. Some of you think God can never show up in your workspace. 
Some of you think God could never show up at your school. You're like, Rick, you don't know what goes on in those bathrooms. (laughs) Oh, yes, I do. I've talked to the teachers. I know all about what happens in those bathrooms. God's Shekinah glory. God can manifest himself in those places if you're there through you. The question is, are you allowing that to happen? Do you even have eyes to see how you can bring in an awareness to God in those places? Do you even show up at work? And some of your workplaces, I, I, I've talked to some of you, you, when you leave work, you like feel yucky. And I get that. I understand what you mean with that. I remember working through college and, uh, you know, one of my jobs was I was working at a plastics factory, injection molding, um, plastic. And when I would leave there, I didn't feel yucky because of the plastic. I felt yucky because of all the stuff that was happening around me. And I'd just be like, ugh. And I didn't think. Oh, here's my opportunity to allow God to manifest Himself through me. You have an opportunity wherever you are to allow God to manifest Himself through you. Do you take the opportunity? You can actually enjoy mopping the floor and just enjoy the presence of God while you're mopping. You can bring the manifestation, this light. No, it may not be like this holy light that comes out of heaven. It's like, ooh, you know, some like mystical thing that happens. No, but you just know God is with me. You know what was amazing? Um, I was having a conversation with one of the guest service managers at Texas Roadhouse, and she was telling me, as, I, as we have been having conversations, and then um, she is, uh, she's by herself, And she was at home and she's like, Rick, I was at home and I started feeling down and I started feeling like I'm all by myself. And then she said, hold it. That's not true because God is with me. And I'm like, Joe, you're exactly right. That's that scripture. That's right from the Bible that God, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, then God is living in you and he is right there with you. And she's like, that makes all the difference in the world to me. I just have to remind myself I'm not by myself. You're not by yourself when you're in your workspace. You're not by yourself when you are in your school space. You're not by yourself in your relationship with your spouse or just a relationship with another person. You're not by yourself. You have the opportunity to manifest, to reveal who God is. The question is, are we doing that? In verse number 18, no one has ever seen God... The one only, uh, the one and only Son, who is Himself God. Just in case there was any, you know, wonder or confusion about that. Here, John's just making it so very clear, like he did in the verse that we memorized. And he says he's at the Father's side, but notice this: that He, Jesus, Jesus has revealed Him. Jesus has manifested. Jesus has shown us who God is. And Jesus has shown us how we love our kids to reveal more of the Father. Jesus has shown us how to love our spouse so that we can reveal more of who God is. Jesus has shown us how, you know, to do laundry 
so that we can reveal more of Him, more of God. You know, you're putting that laundry in there, and you know, I, I know when I poured the bleach in there, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get all the stains out. Jesus, thank you for taking all the stains out of me. Amen. You know, you can reveal God in just the ordinary. And in the places that you least expect it, where the Shekinah glory could show up through you. And this is why the very first next step tells us this. So take out your connection card. And that connection card is in the chair in front of you. And it says this. The very first one says, I desire to be more aware of God's presence in and around me. Pray I will have eyes to see and, and enjoy his presence. All right. We want to pray for you around this. I mean, come on. Don't you want people praying for you to be able to be aware of of God's presence around you? Don't you want people to be praying that you'll enjoy his presence, that you will actually just enjoy doing the dishes or driving the car, that you would enjoy Rhode Island construction traffic? It's the worst. (laughs) Enjoy it with Jesus in your car. You can do this. Grab that connection card. They're in the same place they were last week. It's right in the chair in front of you. And let us pray for you. This is step number one. So this circle, step number one, put your name on there. We'll pray for you by name. The next step, the step number two says, I want to reveal more of God by living more like Jesus. As we go through the Gospel of John, pray for me to understand how to live like Him. This is so key. We've got to know how to apply the Scripture to our life so that we can reveal more of the Father. So, let us pray for you. This is step number two. This circle step number two. Put your name on there. And we're going to pray for you this week. The last step. Because some of you are here. And this is a good place to acknowledge. If this is where you are. It says, I don't, um, I know I don't have the presence of God in me. Because I haven't put my faith in the person of Jesus yet. You can't have God in you if you haven't placed your faith in the person of Jesus And notice I said yet, (laughs) because remember, we're praying for you. We prayed for you on Tuesday. There are several of you who said who acknowledge that you haven't done this yet. What a great place to be, a great place to acknowledge that you are, you know, where you really are. And we want to continue to pray for you because we're going to pray by faith that God's going to give you eyes of faith and that you're going to see like you've never seen before. And you're going to call out on Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, to save you. Let us know. This is step number three. What you do with these connection cards, if you're right here in the Cranston location, you're going to drop them in the offering boxes in the back. If you're online and fill it out there, it automatically kicks back to our office. If you're in South County, give it to Pete or Scott, and they'll make sure that we get it so that when we pray, we're praying for you. So let's stand. We're going to respond to this teaching with this song. I want you to listen to the very first lyric in this song. It says, we're acknowledging this. The very first lyric in this song that we're going to sing, it says, you are here in the midst of us. Because it's true. Because you have Jesus in you. And he's right here. Can you see?